Okay, let's stay standing. Let's quickly pray this opportunity to prepare ourselves for the Word. And the Word of God's a seed. So, of course, we want our hearts to be ready for the Word to be planted. God, we thank You that You say in Scripture that You can take a heart that's hard and make it soft. And that's what Your Word requires, soil that's soft. And so we leaning in, we thank You that Your Word's eternal, that it's powerful, it's life-changing. And we want to receive it like that this morning. So we come to You, God. We submit to You now. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank that he has to flee as we do that. As we do that, we pray a hedge of protection around us and our children. We pray that in this place You do every miracle. You do all that You want to do in our life. Give us direction. Bring us breakthrough. And we pray for anyone who's without hope in this place, that You would knock on the door of their heart, that You would draw them out Yourself so that they can open up that door and receive You as their Savior in Jesus' name. And everyone believed it said, Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. So good to have you in the house. Um, always love being in church been here on Sunday. For all our first-time guests, we hope you get that coffee. And like they said, my name's Andre. Um, my wife would have preached last week, kicked off our series, um, Leanne's at Malkbos, and then Matt, I was at Camps Bay last week. Yeah, I was at Camps Bay last week. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to remember where I was. Anyway, so um, just confirming that you guys know. And then um, Matt will be uh, at Camps Bay right now preaching, and then Dieter will be back tonight to preach the Word Series, so I encourage you guys to, to get out. But as we do in this Word Series, uh, we are encouraging you to do the 40 Days in the Word. CJ mentioned it, and that's a devotional by Rick Warren. The reason why we chose that devotional, it's not only a phenomenal devotional, but it also will equip you on how to do devotionals in the future. That's why he wrote that. It's a tool for you to understand how to apply God's Word, to study God's Word. And we know that studies show, and one of the groups that did the studies reveal in Chicago, that they looked at spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And as they looked at many thousands of people's lives, the one thing that was at the top of the chart consistently and nothing actually competed with it was the practice of reading God's Word and meditating on it. And that was the key factor into people who really got to build um, that foundation, grow in their spiritual walk. So that's a, a big thing for us to, to encourage you to have a devotional life. Okay. And then, of course, if you're not in a group, we're running groups, extra groups on Wednesday and Thursday at the church from 7 p.m. Um, so you, if you want to get into a home, you can actually sign up for that at our red banner or use your Next Steps card, but just write your information clearly so we can read it and get hold of you. Or you can just come on Wednesday or Thursday night. And remember, the, you learn the most when you talk about what you're reading, not when you just... So you're going to learn a lot today, hopefully, but you're really going to grow in a circle. That's why we say that, that growth comes as you interact. And, of course, you do become like the people you spend time with. So why not spend time with people you want to become like? Other people are also passionate about God's Word and God's community. Just to let you know, in the final week of this month, on Sunday night at 6 p.m., we're going to be doing Lucanio's farewell service. Um, Lucanio is currently on our staff, and he is um, going to be taking over a church in Peter Maritzburg called Cornerstone. And he's actually there now with Graham. They just settled his accommodation yesterday. I contacted them. But um, he will be... Um, our youngest lead pastor of a church, I think, ever. We, um, and, but we will be providing support for him. But what we want to do at 6 p.m. is celebrate him and also send him with a gift as he sets up a place to live on that site. We're very excited about it. It's actually across the road from the University of Kuzun Natal, and we're believing that uh, we're going to just see a massive move of God 
in that area. It's strategic. So just excited for that. And, and based on the box yesterday, anyone with the name Lucanio, we're just going, clearly God's favoring them and we're going to send them out. Anyway, like, cause, anyway, but just, you know, if you watch the box and got a bit sad after that, God is still good and he's um, against the devil and the red devil's lost yesterday. Anyway, so now, uh, no, is that, so, so, you know what I mean? Like a, a bad joke, because I know Liverpool are playing the red devils next week and I know you say stay humble before that game. I know I should only brag next week, but anyway. Let's not get distracted, um, but it's good to have you in the house, and um, this is week two of our Word series, and last week we spoke about authority. Now, one thing that stood out to me is just like you and I can't switch off worship um, because you and I were designed to worship, so even if you're not worshiping God, you will be worshiping something, and the way you figure out what you're worshiping is you look at your, the trail of your time, your talent, and your treasure, and that trail leads to a throne. And whatever's on that throne is what you're worshiping. So what you're giving your time to, your talent, your treasure is leading towards the throne. And you and I are worshipers, so we can't switch it off. But same with worship, like you can't switch it off. You and I are naturally always giving something authority in our life. God's word is the ultimate authority. It says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will stand. But even if you're not saying God's word to authority, you are giving somebody or something an authority in your life. Maybe through COVID, Facebook was your authority. Um, some theory was your authority. Some news channel was your authority. But somebody was an authority in your life. You know, your children, um, their authority might be their friendship circle, uh, what their friends say. Uh, when your children are young, the main authority, um, the guru in life is their teacher. You know what I mean? Like, my teacher said this. Okay, so clearly my teacher knows everything. So what we do is we phone their teacher and say, can you please tell them to go to bed at 7 p.m. tonight and to eat healthier? And then the teacher tells them in class and we say, your teacher said it. Anyway, so that's all just strategy, just to let you know. Uh, but, but you and I will always have an authority in our life. And you can't actually get blase about it. It's somebody. It might be your emotions, your authority. Maybe it's an offense that's become the authority in your life. And that's dangerous. But... but Everything outside the word of God is actually temporary, and it can crack. But God's word is the ultimate authority, and that's what we spoke about last week, so you can go listen back. But Matthew 7 verse 24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Of course, this scripture is talking about applying God's word, not just hearing it, but applying it. And those are people who build their life and they stand anything, any storm, any uncertainty, any uh, uh, wars, rumors of wars, anything that comes their way, it's like they are sturdy. And maybe you found in the last two, three years that, that you actually have built your, certain parts of your life on a rock. And there's other things that you actually have built on opinions. And those things have been shaken and you felt shaken by it. Maybe you've even felt more anxious and worried because you've actually leaned, leaning your life towards those opinions. And, and we know it says wisdom builds. Okay. But, but opinions, they, they, you mean they can, they're the straw and the, the sand. And when we are, are building on the wrong authority... You know what we're doing, actually? It's like we're building a sandcastle and shouting out, taking Instagram photos, saying, I'm the king of the castle. Everyone's going, Brie, that's sand. <laughs> that's not a rock. That thing can be, um, can be pushed away by any storm. But you and I need to actually be building on what's eternal. 
Uh, about eight years ago, Leanne and I looked at a property that was built on two levels of ground. So the, the, where the property was, uh, there was a dip, and there was a crack. So I phoned somebody who was an engineer that I'd known for many years. I said, do you mind looking at this house? Um, I, and we ended up not buying this house, but even he, we looked at this property. He went and looked, and he said, this, this crack settled, the, the land settled. He said, this crack, will, you can cover it up, the crack will, and uh, the crack will show, but you don't have to worry about movement this is a settled crack and and um, just the thought that that when our foundations are have moved things crack in our life eh? and 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 some of us just settle for it you know, this is a settled crack will always be there I'll always argue about this with my wife I'll always have this disconnect I'll always struggle with this sin but God actually does a new thing. He says, says um, uh, the old is gone, but the new is come. And when God's word comes into your life, you don't have to settle for the cracks. You can actually believe that God supernaturally will put new foundations in your life that you can build on and that you won't have to just go, oh, I'm going to always have these symptoms. No, no. God doesn't sort out the symptoms. He sorts out the foundation. He goes right to the bottom of it, and he sets it up for a new season where you can build in a greater way. And that's why the Word of God is so important. Wisdom is the ability and willingness to apply spiritual truth to life circumstances. That, that's, wisdom is the ability to apply God's truth to your circumstances. But foolishness is unwillingness to do so. That's actually what foolishness is. It's an attitude, actually. And what I've learned, even as I've looked at this, the key thing for us when it comes to the word is our attitude. Our attitude determines how we receive the word. You can be reading the word as much as you can, but if you've got a bad attitude, you'll struggle to receive it properly. Your attitude speaks about the soil in your heart. And maybe you've had an attitude towards people and it's made you blase about the word. It's like you read it, but you, your attitude towards it, it's, maybe it's almost like you've, you've become lukewarm to it. Now, um, this water was boiled a few minutes back, so it's still pretty decent. And um, if I take this tea bag, we're going, um, probably South African, it's robust, I think. Yeah, I reckon that's robust, anyway. So, I just dip it. Any difference? Okay, that's why you have to double dip. There's church tonight. Okay, anyway. Um, that's just lesson number one. <laughs> double dip. 6 p.m. tonight. Anyway, any difference? Slides, hey? Just making you guys aware of that. If this water was lukewarm, it would take way longer for what I'm putting inside to change how it looks on the outside. When you and I have a bad attitude, when we are cold to God in a way, to people, because it says you can't love God and hate man. And, and you can't, once, once you get in this place of, of, of a hard heart and you're lukewarm, the word, because the, you saw, you must say you're not the tree, you're, the, you're, not, you're not the seed, you're the soil. The word's the seed. God grows his seed. You're my, we're the soil. What's my role? Soft heart. 
stay on fire. Because the Bible, and I'll point it out later, but it says let God's word dwell in you richly. So I'm going to leave that there. Uh, we've got about 16 minutes. Let's see how it looks after 16 minutes. But, but you and I need to understand that God's word should be in us. It's going to build a foundation in us. But if it's truly going to have its effect, you and I are always going to be waking up and say, how's my heart? You must remember God's into ultimate heart surgery. I mentioned it in my prayer, but he'll take a hot heart and make it soft. So he can do that part. So when you, when you do it, you don't have to even do that. You, but you need to actually speak to him about it. And you and I don't have to live lukewarm. God actually wants us hot. So that when he dwells in us richly, he can transform us. But I want to encourage you today, just quickly, about the Bible. That the whole Bible guides us towards Jesus. That's why the Bible is written. Only God could have put the, the, the Bible together. It contains 66 books written over 1,600 years by 40 authors, and it has one theme. Having a single unified theme is one of the reasons we know that the Bible is God's word. And, and I'll explain a bit more, but from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is all about God redeeming humanity. And we see humanity, us trying to find our own way, trying to cover our own nakedness. But then Jesus, uh, the lamb that was slain, actually covers our sin once and for all. His blood was pure and he redeems humanity. And in the story of the Bible, Jesus is the star. The, the fact that the Bible only has one theme is nothing short of a miracle. Because, you know, a lot of us know that for a book to have one theme, it needs to be written by one person. And so you look at the Quran, it's written by Muhammad, one person. Um, the Analects of Confucius was written by Confucius. The writings of Buddha were written by Buddha. So you can expect those writings to have one theme. But the Bible was written by 40 different people at every age and every stage of life on three continents. They, they all write the same story, the Jesus story. Prophets wrote, poets, princes, kings, sailors, soldiers. They all had the same story. Some were written in homes, others in prisons, and, and others on ships. Yet you couldn't, put, uh, you couldn't have put together a more diverse group of authors and yet come to the same story. A simple illustration, and this is basic, but if I chose 50 people, I gave you A4, um, all, of, all of you an A4 piece of paper. And I said, just tear a piece off, and you just talk. Okay, so, and I said, okay, now... You have all torn a piece off that will make the map of Africa. Let's bring it together. And then somehow we made the map of Africa. You'd go, flip, you guys tricked me. Or that's just a miracle. It's almost impossible. And that's why as people wrote the Bible in all these places over all these years, and then it came together and had one story. Clearly, God was writing through these people. God was using these people as vessels. And you see the Bible speak about it, that it's God-breathed, that God, the Holy Spirit, wrote through them. Because most people think I'm just tricking you if I did that piece of paper trick. But clearly it's a miracle. The Bible says in Luke 24, verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Of course, we know the New Testament speaks about Jesus, but he, Jesus here was speaking about the Old Testament speaking about him as well. And Jesus said that. And so some of the facts, and I've mentioned something, but quickly, some proofs the Bible is inspired by God. Over 40 different authors wrote 60 different, 66 different books across three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. 
over th uh, 1,600 years in three different languages, Hebrew, uh, Aramaic, uh, Aramaic, sorry, Greek. And so, so we see this, that man could not and would not have written it. It's clearly God writing through man. About 3,300 verses of prophecy have been fulfilled already from the Old Testament. Not one detail has yet failed of those prophecies. There, every detail of prophecy came to pass. It was written about in the Word. Um, about 2,908 verses are either currently being fulfilled or not yet uh, to be fulfilled. That's why it's so good to get into the Word. We know we can see what's ahead for us. It's scientifically and historically correct. No one man has yet conclusively proved the Bible to be at fault in man's uh, in its hundred in its many hundreds of statements on history, um, anatomy, uh, botany, geology, or any branch of learning. Over three thousand eight hundred times, Bible writers claim that God spoke what He wrote. The Bible itself claims to be the Word of God. The Bible, compared with uh, with other ancient writings has more manuscript evidence than any 10 pieces of classical literature combined. It survived all attempts to destroy it. Um, and, and we, listen, one of the, uh, um, Voltaire, I don't know if you guys remember the story of Voltaire. He claimed that the Bible, at the, just before the end of his life, um, that the Bible would be obsolete. Then in a hundred years' time, the Bible uh, would not be there. You, you know when he died? The Bible Society of France bought his house and used it to distribute Bibles. <laughs> I think God is sending a message. <laughs> the Bible won't exist. Okay, cool. That's the end. Let's use your, your house as a Bible society. You know People have said for hundred years, there have been laws. The Romans put out laws. People are laws to stop Christianity. It's unstoppable. You, what you need to understand is the word of God and Christians, we are a seed. As soon as you push us into the ground, we grow. The, it says that the gospel will do have its greatest effect in the countries where the martyrs are. You know what? Because it's, we see in the beginning of the word that, that um, the one brother kills his brother and God says to him, your brother of your blood, the blood of your brother will cry out in this land. I tell you what, the blood of martyrs are crying out in nations where they're trying to cut off Christianity. Their blood speaks. Jesus' blood still speaks. It says you're forgiven. God's word's unstoppable. It's the most... Um, it's the Bible that's been written in the most language. It's still the most stolen book on the planet and still the best-selling book. It's a must-read. If you want to break the Bible up, you, um, of course, you look at the, in the front end, the Genesis, Deuteronomy, law books, then um, Joshua to Esther, historical books, history books, then poetry, Job to Song of Solomon, then the prophetic books, the five major prophets, Isaiah to Daniel, the 12 minor prophets, Isaiah to Malachi, and that's just because the books were larger than major. It's not the major and the minor, they're better than, it's just bigger and smaller. Then you go to the Gospels, which are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see Jesus walking on earth. Then the, the, the book of Acts is a historical record of the first church, so we learn a lot about how the church should be in that book. Then we see the historical, um, we see the epistles, the letters written to the church, book of Romans to Jude, and then um, in the book of Revelation, the final revelation, the prophecy of the last days and of eternity. And, and, and 
um, those are just, just, that's just the outline of the Bible. You know, I've told you about the Bible now. And there's way more facts to claim the Bible's authority and the truth. But the Bible only changes your life when you read it. The Bible only changes your life when it gets inside of you. It's a seed. It's not just good literature. It's an eternal word. It's got transformational power. It's breath in a page. Jesus is the word. The Bible says he is the word become flesh. When you're reading the word, it's like you're taking Jesus in. Revelations 1 verse 3 says, happy is the one who reads this book. John makes it clear in Revelations 1 verse 3 that, that any believer who reads it will profit from it. The Bible actually says there's a special blessing for those who read the word and, and apply it. It says you build your life on a rock, and I mentioned it earlier. For most of Christianity, only the priests had the Bible. And then in 1440, Johannes Gutenberg invented the, the movable type printing press. And for the first time, the Bible could be printed and it could go into the hands of people like us. Prior to that, the priests just had it. And if a priest was manipulated, like trying to get the people to do saying, he wanted, like he said, okay, the Bible says it's close. And, and so they now got the Bible and it's been printed. And, and what happened was uh, people started reading the Bible and uh, created a bit of upheaval in the church because ordinary people led a revolution. It was called the Protestant Reformation. They said, you've preached this for years. It doesn't actually say it in the Bible. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. And that's the power of Christianity is that you get to interpret and you have the in-house author, the Holy Spirit, who wrote the Bible through um, all these writers. He lives in your heart. So when you read it, the author of the Bible is in your heart helping you read it. And he makes it come alive to you. So we have this awesome opportunity, but yes, life's busy. And I've no doubt you spend lots of time reading stuff, looking at articles, maybe it's sport or your hobby, social media. But if you and I are spending no time in the Word, we are fooling ourselves to think we're going to be spiritual giants. You and I can simply, if we read the Bible for 15 minutes a day, we read through the Bible in one year. If you and I read the Bible for 30 minutes a day, we'd read it twice a year. And I'm not saying go do some weird thing and, and be religious. You can even do five minutes of reading, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of worship every day. Five minutes, five. It's simple. Enjoy it. Read it. Pray about what you've read. Then pray over your family and with a day ahead. And then worship God. Thank you, God. Sorry, my Daniel Priest, but, but, but the thing is, there must be something that has no authority, that's just an opinion, that is easily shaken, it's totally temporary, that you can give up to read for 15 minutes yeah. or five. There must be something. Yeah. We are way more educated in the temporary than the eternal. And something has to change. God's word is completely reliable. Why don't you take what's unreliable out your life and put something reliable in your life? Psalm 19, Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. 
James says the law of God is a mirror. So when you look at it, you actually see where you're at. You can maybe see that you're far off. Maybe you see that your heart's hard. Maybe you see that you actually got a bit lukewarm, but you'll be able to see yourself, and there's this conviction. And the conviction of God's a gift. It's the father to a child. It's a father to a son. It's a father to a daughter. He's saying, this is where you're at, and I love you. Come back to me. And as you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. And, and if you've got a hot heart, I can make it soft. And if you've got lukewarm or cold, I can set you on fire. But the word of God's a mirror. The condemnation of the enemies, you suck, you should never do it again. He'll never forgive you. You, you, you will never come to anything. That's condemnation. But conviction... Is God knocking in the door of your heart? Let me in. Let me dine with you. The word of God is awesome. It's a mirror. Only the word has the power to convert. As we read it, conviction comes on us about our wrongs. And we're converted from opposing the Lord to being those who stand for him. Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. For Pringle says, Scripture makes you smart. It doesn't dumb you down. It sharpens you. Instead of falling victim to the naivety, uh, uh, naivety we become wise through the influence of the word on our mind. Some of us are dull. There's no sharpness. Life is tough. You have to work double, triple as hard as anyone else because there's a dullness, there's an apathy, you're living in a mist, but the Word of God makes you sharp. It doesn't dumb you down. It says the Word's a light to my path. In a world that's uncertain even about our economy, God can tell you what your next step is. You know, after the series, we're going to do a series, a three-week series on financial peace. We're saying if the world is saying there is a potential uh, recession, why don't we get ready in understanding how to live wise? How do we save? How do we prepare? How do we set ourselves up? The answer's in the Word. We don't have to live um, just victims of what's to come. It says the sons of Issachar understood the signs of the time. And, and you and I, because we hear these things, we can go, well, we prepared for it. Wisdom builds, and God's Word will help you build, even in this economy. Give you keys. You want to build your marriage? It's in the Word. You want to build your children up? It's in the Word. God's Word will give you the keys. Well, how do you take the Word in? Well, number one, you hear it. So hearing it. On Sundays, reading it. Number two, three, studying it. I've got a study Bible. I encourage you to buy one. I do my devotional and then I look at my, the context, who was written to, how can I apply this practically? You might want to highlight, like green is, what do I learn about Jesus? And maybe orange is, what's Jesus saying to me through the scripture? Simple. You can simply practice and study it. You can memorize it. If God's word's unshakable, why are you remembering everything that can be shaken? <laughs> I remember, yes, yeah. Why don't you remember the unshakable truths of God? And then meditating on it, chewing on it. Of course, we need to keep the right attitude. That's how the soil works. We, we need to make sure we're hot because, yes, this has been in here for 16 minutes and something's changed.
That's our role. Soft hearts, attitude, on fire for God. We don't let those things, that's, we, we, we don't, we, we position to receive the life-changing Word. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Dwell in you. This tea bag has been dwelling in this water. And in a short time, it's transformed it. We need to make sure the word is dwelling in us. Colossians 3 verse 16 in the Passion Version translation says, Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Flooding you. You might be living in a wisdom drought. Foolishness is everywhere to be found. But you need the word of God to dwell in you richly and f- so that wisdom will flood your life. You can't get away from it. It's seeping through the doors. It's coming in to your house. And Colossians 3 verse 16 in the message says, let the word of God, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. And, and um, this year with Juliana and Zora, I'll remind them what God says to them. I, have a, I let it run our house. But remember, Juliana, this is what God says about you. Remember, Zara, this is what God says about you. Creates confidence. It's actually our true north. It's our plumb line. Yeah, but what does God say? He says this about you, Juliana. This about you, Zara. Stability. It's like the God, word of God's in them. It's like they have a backbone. So I encourage you this morning. There's so much studies to show us that the Word of God is powerful. And so many people have tried to disclaim its power and a lot of them have actually turned and got down on their knees and said, it is true. I can't. God is everything. Everything was made by Him and for Him. And His Word is a gift to us. It's from heaven. It's living. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will stand. And if this is true, then we need to make sure our hearts are soft and we are still on fire. So his word, when it dwells in us, it transforms us. Do you close your eyes quickly? Maybe as I've been speaking, you have a sense of what God's talking to you about. Maybe to drop something to get the eternal word into you. Maybe it's about doing five, five, five. Maybe it's about reading for 15 minutes a day. Maybe it's about buying a study Bible. But the biggest thing would just be about the attitude. Maybe God's saying to you, this is me convicting you because your attitude has been knocked. Somebody hurt you in your past and it's almost determining your attitude about my word. That's a person who's hurt you. I love you. I want to soften your heart. Maybe it's that you, in in, uh, the busyness of life, you've got lukewarm. Maybe you're on fire for something else or somebody else, but your fire for God does not burn anymore. God wants to reignite that flame. you speak to God in this moment just say this way I'm at that's what I want to do remember God's a loving Father and then just lastly even as I spoke I know it says in Scripture that God knocks on the door of people's hearts 
Maybe he's knocked on the door of your heart as I spoke and he's saying to you, I want to come into your heart. Let me in. How I did it was when God knocked on the door of my heart, I actually said to him, I, I, I said, I need you, God. I'm a sinner, but you're the Savior. Will, will you save me? Will you come and live inside of me? I don't even feel that I deserve this. But you say this is a gift, so I can't earn it, so I receive it. The Bible says, as we confess that He's the Son of God, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that will be saved. The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says as we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And in this moment, if you are sensing that God wants you to open up the door of your heart, just with every eye closed out of respect for people who, who want to say, that's me, I'm just going to ask you, just to say, that's me. I want to open up the door of my heart. Give me a wave and, so I can lead you in that confession. Say, lead me in that confession, Andre. If that's you, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Say, I sense it. God's knocking at the door of my heart. I need to open up that door. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Let's pray quickly. Let's do it as a church family. Jesus, I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. I call on your name. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just give Jesus thanks and praise? Just want to encourage you. If you need us to pray for you, there are, if you're in the front row, there are cards under your chair, but for everyone else that's in the seat cover, you don't have to write your name. If you want us to cover you in prayer, our prayer team will do that. You can just write your prayer request if you want to keep it personal. Then if you have, if you want to get into a group and you want more information, write your name down and your details clearly how we can contact you or go straight to our red banner at the back or come on Wednesday or Thursday night to view group here in the building. Then if you would like uh, just any more information or you're new, grab your first copy at the red banner. Uh, remember Dieter's preaching tonight. Remember, uh, we need a double dip. Anyway, so have a good one. Bless you guys. Remember, 40 days in the Word. Get on to the, uh, the, uh, the devotion. Bless you guys.